Any Imagine Dragon fans out there? Yeah. Woo. Yeah. <laughs> I'm waking up. I feel it in my bones. Enough to make my system blow. Welcome to the new age. Whoa, I'm radioactive. I'm radioactive. Friends, that is no way to live. And yet, many people do. You know, Scripture, Paul, Paul says this in uh, 2 Corinthians 5.17. He says, anyone who belongs to Christ is a, what? New person. The past is forgotten and everything is new. Everything's new. In Christ, by grace, we become new. New life, new beginning, new opportunity, new hope. And as we've said through this entire series, everything, everything is made new. You know, we've been looking at the power of Jesus Christ to make all things new in our life. And today we're looking at a story of another person who deserved death, actually deserved death. But because of the grace of God, Jesus Christ doesn't give him what he deserves, but he gives him new life. And before we jump in, I, uh, I want to get us all on the same page, and I've got one big idea that we've all got to come to terms with. And the fact is, if, if we understand this, then we can truly appreciate the good news of Jesus Christ. Then it does become good news at that point. We have to understand we are all guilty. We are all guilty of breaking God's laws. We've all sinned. You, me, all of us have sinned and messed up. Now, how many of you have ever done something wrong? Come on, raise your hands. Hi, hi. <laughs> we, we have all done something wrong. Each and every one of us, we, we've maybe lied or maybe stolen things or lust or gossip or we've hurt someone or taken advantage of others in our lives, maybe cheated. We, we've struggled with things like envy and greed and pride. We have all said and done things that were wrong. We have all done things that were not God-honoring in, in our lives. So can we agree we have all broken God's laws? I mean, I'm radioactive, and you're radioactive. And if this is your first time at Faith Fellowship, welcome. (laughs) (laughs) We're radioactive around here. So, You know, James uh, writes this. He says, For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. In other words... If, if you have cheated or gossiped or stolen even one time in your life, then you're guilty of breaking all God's laws. It's like uh, having a, a, a stack of uh, building blocks and you put them all together and you just remove one block from the middle and all the b- blocks fall. And you would go, but, but I only moved one block. Well, it doesn't matter, Jenga, you know. <laughs> You're, you're radioactive at that point. So, so I'm guilty, and you're guilty. We, we have all done things we're not proud of. And so in our minds, we're kind of like, well, yeah, okay, so I've done some stuff. What's the big deal? But here's the big deal. The, the punishment for breaking God's laws is pretty extreme. It says, for the wages of sin is death. 
but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. We, we've sinned. We, we deserve to die for that. We are radioactive. But God doesn't give us what we deserve. No, God gives us a, a gift, and he gives it to us in Jesus Christ, and it's called new life, eternal life. And so our story today, we, Jesus has just been convicted. He, he's been convicted on what I would call trumped-up charges. He's going to be executed. And Scripture says this, Two other men, both criminals, were also let out with him, talking about Jesus there, to be executed. When they came to the place called the Skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one at his right and the other at his left. Now, before we go further, I want to kind of get us all on the same page and talk about crucifixion for a minute. See, crucifixion was one of many different forms of execution in that day. And crucifixion was the most expensive form of execution. Why? Well, because it took four Roman guards and one centurion, and a lot of times a crucifixion took place and it was over several days. And so you got a lot of man hour, so to speak. Crucifixion was the most brutal form of execution. It was painful. It was a humiliating way to die. And basically Rome, Roman leaders, would use crucifixion to execute the worst prisoners, the worst criminals. And so it was those that they wanted to hurt the most or they wanted to make a statement to society about it. So it tells us a lot about these criminals that, that are put on the cross next to Jesus, that the, these guys had done something bad. What had they done? Well, we don't know exactly. We, we know that it was bad enough that they were willing to spend the extra money to execute him. They wanted to bring the extra pain, the extra humiliation. And so... In crucifixion, the criminal would be stripped down, all their clothes, they'd be naked. So it was a very humiliating way to die. Sun's beaten down on them, they, they, they'd bake out in the sun. In fact, history tells us that most people would lose their senses at some point and basically go mad on the cross. And we know that in order to breathe, they had to keep kind of pushing themselves up so they could even get a breath. And then there would come a point when they were too exhausted. They didn't even have the strength to push themselves up and they'd suffocate. So this is a terrible way to die. People would gather and they would make fun of the person that was dying. They, they would laugh at them, you know, make jokes at their expense. Horrible way. Very radioactive climate here. These criminals had done something wrong, something really bad. Matthew and Mark tell us that they were thieves. Now, I know immediately you go, oh, well, okay, a thief. Not like you, you're thinking. See, the word that they used there is they were thieves, and they were only thieves to kind of fuel and, and have the money to do what they were really about, and that's guerrilla warfare. They were trying to overthrow the government. Uh, Barabbas, they, they talked about he was a leader of one of these groups, may have been a chance these guys knew Barabbas that was freed, you know, when they said Jesus or Barabbas, and they said, oh, set Barabbas free. So these guys 
are dying on a cross. They're being executed. We know why Jesus was there. The religious leaders, the Roman leaders, they wanted to be rid of Jesus once and for all. And so crucifying Jesus was a statement to society. They wanted to humiliate Jesus, wanted to hurt him. And so scripture goes on, verse 39 says, one of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. You know, this criminal, he's radioactive big time. He's angry. He's lashing out. And you you can just feel it in, in in scripture there. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God? Since you're under the same sentence, we are punished justly for what we're getting, what we deserve, our deeds deserve. But this man, Jesus, has done nothing wrong. He's done nothing wrong. Now, here's what I want to suggest this morning. Every person here, every person here, we are, so to speak, one of these two criminals. We're one of these two criminals in, in God's eyes. And what I want you to do is do a little assessing and consider whether you're more like the first criminal or the second criminal. And so I want to step back and re- reread here. The, f- the first criminal, it says, one of the criminals who hung there hurled ins- insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. Now, we don't know much about this guy, but I can tell you a couple things just from what's written there. This guy's arrogant. He's full of pride. He's a little bit edgy. He's he's a smart aleck, somewhat. He's dying, and he has little or no respect for God, and he's beginning to rail. You know, he's hurling these insults. He, He has no concern about eternity. No, he's saying, okay, if you're really a Messiah, then, then get to it. You know, save yourself, save, save me, save us, save all of us. Come on. And friends, when I read that, I think, you know, sometimes isn't that how we treat God? Well, if there's a heaven, if there really is a hell, I, I, I guess I could say a little prayer. Do, do I really need to be baptized? I mean, I, if I do, I guess I'll do it. You know, do, do we have to really do this? I mean, if, if that's all that's expected, I'm good. I'm good. You know, but don't ask me to do anything else. You know, I, I just want to make sure that I get in. That's all I want to do. This first criminal, he, he, he's dying. He's hurling these insults at, at Jesus. Perhaps some of the guards. Maybe he thinks his punishment isn't fair, isn't right. We don't really know. He's bitter. We know he's brazen. And if I was going to summarize this first criminal, I'd summarize him with this word, unrepentant. He's not going to acknowledge that he's wrong. He's not going to own up to the mistakes he's made, the sin that, he, that has got him here. And, and he's not, not fearing God. I mean, he's unrepentant. It seems pretty clear. But the second, the second criminal, he, he's also equally guilty. But this guy has a very different perspective when I read this. 
It says, but the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God? Since you are under the same sentence, we are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Don't you fear God? Or we're going to die. We're going to face our maker in a few minutes. Don't, don't you get it? Don't you get it? We, we are, are suffering for something we did. We did wrong. We, we broke the law. We, we deserve this. But Jesus he hasn't done anything wrong. See, this guy's come from a different place. In fact, if I was to summarize his words, I would say he's repentant. He recognizes he's guilty. He admits it. He acknowledges that he's done wrong in his life. And so he owns it. He acknowledges that he deserves the punishment. He says it's just. And there's some fear in him, fear of God. He, he knows that he needs mercy. He needs help, that he can't do anything for himself. He can't do anything but call out to Jesus. And that, so that first criminal, he's unrepentant. But the second criminal is repentant. You, you see it in their words. And I think we live in a culture today that has made a very dangerous shift. You know, there, there was a day when people readily owned their faults. Yeah, I know, I've, I've done some stuff that was wrong. I know, I know it was wrong. I, I've sinned, I, I've messed up, I, I'm, I'm sorry for that. And there was just a natural progression. But friends, I will tell you, there has been this catechismic shift in our culture that says, oh, I haven't done anything wrong. In fact, I'm better than most people. I'm not a bad person. I just follow my heart. My heart wants what my heart wants. Don't tell me that's sin. I don't have to answer to God or anybody. And friends, I will tell you the problem with that mindset. It is a total absence of God and a respect and fear for God. Friends, we, we in our culture today are creating our own standards. You know, and, and we're doing it by comparing ourselves to other people instead of comparing ourselves to God. Hey, look around you for a minute. Just look around at the people worshiping this morning. Go ahead, look. It's all right. And I know you may be thinking, well, I'm, I'm not a bad person. I mean, some of you feel like turning to the person next to you and go, you make me feel good about myself. <laughs> Don't do it. <laughs> You may be walking if you do. <laughs> I mean, I, I wouldn't suggest doing that. wouldn't suggest it. It's a culture we live in today. I'm not a bad person. I don't care what God says. I don't care what anybody else thinks. But friends, this is really, really important. We must, we must recognize that we have sinned. We, we must recognize that we've broken some of God's laws. 
that is the starting point because only when we recognize that do we recognize the need for a Savior in our lives. I see when we recognize that we've fallen short of God's standards in that moment, in that instance, all of a sudden we're a candidate for grace. I mean, if you're unrepentant, if you don't admit that you've done anything wrong, if you're arrogant enough and full of enough pride, well, friends, you're more like that, that first criminal. But if you recognize, you go, you know what, I have messed up. If you acknowledge that, that you've done some things that were wrong, if you fear God, then you realize that you need to be forgiven. And then you're more like criminal number two. And why this is so important? Because until you realize that you're sinful and that you've messed up, you will not see a need for a Savior. All right, how many of you have ever had a speeding ticket? Hands high. Wow. <laughs> I got to hold up two hands. <laughs> thank, yeah, thank you. <laughs> Several years ago, uh, Cindy was coming home from work, and uh, she suddenly came up on a wreck, and she topped the, the, the hill, and this wreck was happening right right in front of her. It was right in the middle of the road, and so she she was going too fast to avoid becoming part of it all, and so she swerved and ended up in the ditch, clipped a telephone pole, and uh, she said the uh, officer, when he finally arrived, he started questioning her. And, and he asked her, he said, did you have your seatbelt on? And she said, no, I didn't have it on. And she said it looked like he was shocked. You know. And so he, he said, it was this awkward moment. And then he goes, I'll ask you again. Did you have your seatbelt on? You, you had your seatbelt on, didn't you? To which she said, no, I didn't have my seatbelt on. To which he then said, I'm putting down that you had your seatbelt on. Buckle up next time. See, that was a case where she was guilty. She hadn't buckled up. She had broken the law. She deserved a ticket. She knew it. She admitted it but she didn't get what she deserved. Instead, she received mercy, forgiveness. Friends, if, if you're arrogant, if you're full of pride, God looks and says, like, I can't help you. But if you come with a repentant heart and say, you know what, I messed up. I've done wrong. I, I, I broke the law suddenly you become a candidate for God's mercy and God's forgiveness and ultimately God's grace. And it's mind-blowing. It's mind-blowing. Jesus is hanging on the cross. There's a criminal on each side. Both of them are guilty. Both are equally guilty. Both of them deserve death according to the law. Both of them heard and saw the exact same things that day in those final hours. Both of them had the exact same opportunity. 
both of them were suffering and both of them were in pain emotionally and physically and both of them needed a savior. And friends, I'll tell you, one of them missed it and one of them didn't. Both of them were in the presence of Jesus Christ and only one of them was made new that day. Two different people. One singing and the other one's singing and they're singing the same song. Two, two people hearing the same message. Two people in the presence of God and one of them's more like the first criminal. I don't need all this religious stuff. I'm not a bad person. All this stuff about Jesus, oh, it's, it's, it's nice, but I don't need help. I got this. I'm good. And the other person's saying, more like the second criminal, I messed up. I messed up. I can't fix this. I need help. I need mercy. I need grace. I need a Savior. And friends, here's the good news. The second criminal cries out to Jesus. And they're going to be forgiven. And they're going to be transformed. And they're going to be given new life. New life. And do not miss this. Do not miss this. Luke 23, 42. Then he said, this is the second criminal. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Did you catch that? You can miss it really easy. He's not begging here. He, he didn't say anything fancy. He didn't say anything very complicated. He, it's not even theological. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He deserved death. But Jesus answered him, Truly I tell you today, you'll be with me in paradise. Boom. Right there. A couple sentences exchanged. And this man's changed forever. New life. In death. He gets new life. It's a powerful story. It's a story of God's grace and God's forgiveness and God's mercy. And friends, it's good news. It's good news. You know, Paul writes this in Ephesians 2. It says, God saved us by his grace when you believed. When you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for something for the good things we have done so that we can't boast about it. He saves us by grace. We, when you believe what Jesus Christ did on the cross was enough. You are not made right by your works, by what you do. 
You're not made right by being good enough. You're not made right by going to church. You're not made right by being a member of a church. You're not made right by giving. You're not made right by being a nice person or cleaning up your act. You are not made right by being a religious person. You are made right by Jesus Christ. You are saved by grace through faith. When you believe in Jesus Christ and you believe what he did was enough. See that, that criminal? He's nailed to the cross. He, could, he couldn't do any good works. He had a short time span, a few hours maybe. He couldn't go to church, couldn't clean up his act. He's dying. He couldn't do anything but put his trust in the grace and the love of Jesus Christ. You know, the psalmist says this. He does not punish us as we deserve. He doesn't punish us as we deserve. Or repay us according to our sins and wrongs. Why? Why doesn't he do that? Because he's going to give us the answer. As high as the sky is above the earth, so great is the love for those who honor him. As far as the east is from the west, so far he removes our sins from us. Friends, I am radioactive. I've been that way for a long time in my life. Messed up. You're radioactive. We have all sinned. We all deserve death. But Jesus Christ gives new life, eternal life. It's the heart of the gospel message. You know, we are not good enough. We, we don't earn it. We don't deserve it. We only have it because of the love of God. I mean, God's good. God's good. You know, and some of you just need to know that. I mean, God loves you so much that there's nothing that you can do to make him love you more. And there's nothing you can do, no sin, no mistakes, that can make him love you less. God loves you so much, he sent Jesus Christ to die for you. Jesus was innocent. But he died for our guilt. And we're all guilty. But in his death, we find life. Isn't that interesting? Jesus died to give us life. Paul said this, but God has shown us how much he loves us. It was while we were still sinners still messed up, still radioactive, that Christ died for us. That's good news. I mean, Jesus, he's hanging between two criminals, dying for our sins, dying for my sins, dying for your sins. And and Scripture, if you read the the rest of the, the story that day, you know, he he looks to heaven at one point, he says, It's finished. And he's talking about the work of salvation's finished. He's accomplished it. And then he says, into my hands I commit my spirit. The scripture says he took his last breath that day. And then the earth shook. The sky went dark. And I, I love uh, Mark's account after this, because Mark, Mark writes this, verse 39, says, and when the centurion who stood there in front of Jesus, saw how he died, 
he said, surely this man was the son of God. It had that kind of impact on him. See, everybody thought it was over. But heaven knew they were just getting started. Friends, in Jesus Christ, in Jesus Christ, we're made new. The old passes away. Everything, 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 absolutely everything, that thing that, that's got its grips, absolutely everything's made new. And so here's my question today. Are you like the first criminal? You going to stand your ground? Alone? Arrogant? I'm good, I'm good. Leave me alone, I'm good. Certain that there's nothing that you need from Jesus? See, unrepentant? Or are you like the second criminal? At a place where you can acknowledge your sin and your guilt and shame and humbly cry out to Jesus, forgive me, forgive me. Allow him to be your Savior and Lord of your life. You know, Paul says anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved in a moment of repentance. And my question is, will you seek him? See, today's the day of salvation for someone. Today's a day you can be made new. New day, new life. Some of you need that. And I challenge you. I mean, some of you just need to take that step and say, I'm yours, Jesus. I believe. It's not complicated. It's not, you know, basically you call out to Jesus, say, forgive me, and he will save you. And I'm going to, in a little bit, challenge you to come down front. And there'll be teams down here. And just come down. You don't even have to say anything. Just say new. Okay, so I guess you are saying something. But just say new. New. That's all. New. Because heaven knows what you mean in that. Forgive me. I want him as my Lord and Savior. And, and some of you need to do that. You need to make Jesus Christ your Savior and Lord today. You need to do it today. You need to do it today. And then I want to say something to Christians. Because some of you, there was a day that you knew you needed Jesus. And you leaned on him a lot more than you are these days. And some of you, you've wondered. And your reality is you're more like the first criminal. And friends, you, you need to come forward and say, new day. Now just tell the people when you come forward, say, I'm renewing today. And let them pray for you. Again, call on Jesus Christ to start new. New day. New opportunities. And so, I know some of you that you just got some junk going on and it's messing you up and you need the teams to, to pray for you. So today's the day we shift as, as a church and we allow Jesus Christ to make all things new so that when we walk out the doors, it's a new day, new opportunity, new beginning, new start, whatever it is that you need. As you feel led uh, 
band's going to come back, worship team, and they're going to lead us in, in music. And uh, I just invite you to bow your head where you're at during the, during the song. And as God leads you, come forward. And, you know, maybe it's to make him your savior. Maybe it's to recommit yourself. Maybe it's you got some stuff. Whatever it is, call out to Jesus Christ. Let him change you. Let, let's bow in a word of prayer. Our holy God, God, we just, um, we praise you. God, sometimes it's hard to get our mind around how much you love us. And it's hard to sometimes understand the, all that took place on that cross that day. But your, your word says that it's through that that we find salvation. And so that's good enough for me. And God, I pray that uh, I know there are some here today that need to make you their Lord and Savior. And now, God, I pray you give them the strength to come forward. God, I know there are also some that have called themselves Christians for a long time, but they've gotten a long way from you. That they'd recommit today. God, I know there are some families that are just getting beaten up. They need help, and they need you more than ever. God, I pray that as a church we would stand strong. This would be a new day full of opportunities, new hope, new mercy, new grace, new day, new life. God, we give you our hearts And we look forward to what you're going to do in and through us. It's in Christ's holy name we pray. Amen. So just bow your head where you're at. And as you feel led, our teams, our prayer teams, if they'll come up front uh, at any time during the song, just come forward.